Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but give us a call at 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns that you have about the outdoors or your inside plants or whatever it happens to be. Alex is here. He's producing. He answers the phone. Just your first name and where you're calling from. He doesn't need to know the question because he doesn't care about plants. No, he loves plants. But anyway, <laughs> Brian, isn't this a t- tremendously wild day? It's Halloween, Halloween, correct? yes. Full moon. And we're going to be changing time. Changing time. And also the full moon. Full like moon. Good Lord. I walked out this morning I'm at 4.30. Was it 4? Yeah, 4? No, 4 o'clock. About 4 o'clock. I guess it was whatever. Whatever. And I stood on the back porch, and there's the full moon overlooking the garden, and I hear coyotes. Ooh. Oh, a bunch of oh. them. They were going nuts. So, yeah, I thought, ooh, this is a good ho- <laughs> this is a good way to start Halloween. You aren't kidding. Very cool. Do you decorate or do anything? Oh, yeah. We got do you? to decorate outside and inside both. Oh, fun. Tradition that started, you know, back when I was a kid, so I've just mm-hmm. kind of continued it on. Well, good. And Tracy's into it, too, so yeah. we occasionally just buy some oddball things. Yeah. That's kind of what we did this year. We usually don't, but we got a couple things out and, you know, a ghost out in the garden and stuff like that. So. All right. And then, you know, we don't, like dust or anything so we got all kinds of spider webs and cobwebs around there that kind of adds <laughs> you to mean it real too. Ones? yeah oh yeah. my goodness uh, you know we, we don't use the front door very often and so about a couple of weeks ago there was this huge spider web all the way across the front of the the porch and the uh, the, the postal woman came up with a box for us and I saw her coming, and I opened the door and ran out. I said, don't come up the steps. I probably scared her to death. And I was just didn't want her to have to walk through right. the spider web, you know. So the next day, I, I the a male lady came by, and I said, were you the one that came to the house yesterday? I don't think so. I said, well, apologize to the other one because I think I really scared her. <laughs> so well, anyway. You know, yeah, close to Halloween, so hey. scaring people. You know, I buy decorations when you can just let nature take over. Absolutely. They provide them, yeah. Sounds perfect. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yes, it is Saturday morning, and we have a roundtable discussion. What's going on in your landscape? How about uh, that uh, taste of the tropics, your houseplants? Uh, hopefully you got them in. But the, yesterday, I think they said the low was 32, but I still got some... You know, houseplants slash tropicals that I end up just using as annuals and sort of like toss them and uh, 
they're going to have probably be tossed today. But anyway, when it says it was 32, they were not impacted by that temperature, so it wasn't 32 quite in South City. And how to improve your soil? Should you be pruning or shearing anything this time of year? <laughs> Interesting thing is we, our kitchen window looks to the north. We've got some decorations on the outside, and I have some window boxes that I have these seedlings of junipers, which I dig up out of the yard because the birds eat the juniper berries, seeds, whatever, and then they sprout, and I filled up the window boxes for wintertime. But I looked out, and I thought, what is that? And there was a praying mantis. <laughs> I thought, oh. But I guess it got so cold, it got to that point because it was warm, and then it couldn't move or wouldn't move after that. So there's just, oh, just like Brian was talking about, some crazy stuff going on in the outdoors. But anyway, hopefully uh, my thoughts and ideas will help you orchestrate a good, solid decision which will make your landscape enjoyable and not overwhelming. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. As I said before, a crucial player in this game is Alex, and uh, he produces, answers the phone, pushes the buttons. He does it all. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do a landscape consultation, which I call a walk and talk. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage has an email address and phone number where I can be reached. This past Wednesday, uh, O'Fallon and Ledoux, I had appointments. O'Fallon, Illinois. Completely different homes and everything else. Really enjoyable people. <laughs> one, one place was just overwhelmingly like a botanical garden. And the other one was like, gee, many Christmas. This is not a little bit uh, chaotic, let's put it that way. And I'm not going to say which is which, but it doesn't really matter. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Towering high above this area. Gas lamps along the street. Sedum Autumn Joy runs along a limestone wall. A sign reads, please use the sidewalk. There's mums and iris, which soften the wall's corners. Underneath a river birch. And petunias still under a sign at the base of a sign that says 3322 Dimonel Place, Limp Mansion. Scary place. Trace and I went uh, a couple years to a Halloween parties there, and I don't know if they're still doing that, but uh, it was pretty wild and crazy. And what better place for Halloween? Pre-dawn stroll. And uh, boy, oh boy. As you walk all the way around and go up and down the steps, it was really kind of interesting. I mean, there's a restaurant there. There's tables. There's all this other stuff. They dumped a bu- you know, a bucket of ice out and it still had melted. But uh, it was kind of nice that here I am wandering around and I could take a lot of stuff if I wanted to, plant material-wise, but no. Anyway, there's a fountain there and a small lily pond as well. Uh, ivy fills the areas around the you know various the the lily pond and everything else. There's underneath this really scary uh, locust tree. There's hosta and there's creeping flocks and there's liriope and they're carpeting the thing. And I mean, this tree is the most scary tree. I don't know how it got pruned that way, but it is strictly Halloweenish. There's pumpkins sitting all over the place and there's mums planted in various places. And uh, it was just really kind of neat. Limestone steps lead down to the seat one part of the restaurant seating area. 
wrought iron railing highlights a historic entrance to the Lymph Mansion. And Maiden Grasses actually welcome you up from the sidewalk to the first layer and uh, as far as where the seating area is and everything else. But uh, it's just really kind of neat. There's urns filled with sedum and dracaenas. There's concrete lions that are sitting there along with pumpkins and much, much more. The facade of the historic building is just it's really kind of neat to, you know, to see. And uh, I'll tell you, at the Lymph Mansion, it was scary. It was completely dark. But as I looked around the, the building to the east, the sky was getting lighter, so I knew daylight was coming soon. But this is a perfect place to walk on Halloween. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Don't let those leaves pile up too much on your lawn or even on your ground covers or things like that because when we've got the rains like we have, you get the humidity problems, and uh, that can create a bacteria fungus circumstance, so keep on top of them. Let's head out to West County and go into Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Uh, two questions. I'm assuming uh, weather related. Is it uh, is it too late to get any positive results uh, by overseeding? Number one, and then number two, uh, how late uh, uh, can I go in the fall to do the last fertilization? Uh, I mean, you can do fertilize you know fertilization late into the fall because there's actually fertilizer called winterizer. If you have a cool season lawn, as far as seed goes, it's just going to be dependent you know on soil temperature. So. If you can go to your favorite garden center or Ace Hardware or any of those places that might have a soil thermometer, that's a way to check as opposed, as opposed to giving that crazy Mike Miller a call and see what he says. But if a lawn service that you have, let's say, says we're going to put some seed down, then, I mean, they're evaluating. Hopefully they've taken the soil temperature and everything else. Personally, I think it's a little bit late, but... Uh, you know, that's just my opinion. That's not to say exactly how it is. The exposure of your yard and everything else is going to make a difference. Thank you. Yep. And thanks, Tom. And let's go now to Maria. Or Marie. Sorry. Hi, Marie. Hi. I live in Godfrey, Illinois. Ah. And I'm glad to have gotten through. I was cut off right at the run-out time last week. Oh, my. So I made sure I got in early because right. I enjoy your show. <laughs> Now, I just had two brief questions, but then this mansion you were talking about? Yeah, Lymph Mansion. What was the name of it, and where's the location? Yeah, it's like, uh, basically, it's a little bit south. It's almost catty corner from Anheuser-Busch. So, L-E-M-P. Oh, okay. Lymph Mansion. Pardon me? L-E-M-P. Okay. And it's right, I mean, it's it looks right down on 55, so... This I don't know if they're having Halloween parties or not this year, but historically that's where we went, but that was several years ago. But it's a restaurant yeah. now. Okay, but it sounded like the outside decor was right up my alley just to walk around in it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Um, okay, and then thank you. And then, uh, which you don't know the hours of it, do you? <laughs> no, I don't. But I, what it okay. is is it's, it's south off Arsenal. Okay. Off of Arsenal. Right, Arsenal. All right, thank you. Okay. Uh, but my question is, 
my crepe myrtle, uh, now is the time to prune it. Is that true? Well, you can prune it now or you can just let it go and through the wintertime if you want. Okay, and then prune it before it buds out in the spring, exactly. you mean? Exactly, right. Okay, and then, okay, this is, just help me here. When I go to prune it, do I prune it at the notch, below the notch, or above the notch on the branches? Uh, with, you know, basically, with something like that, it really doesn't make all that much difference because the growth is going to be, I guess, explosive because, you know, just the way, the, sort of the natural habit of the crepe myrtle in general. And uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about where you ma- actually made the cut. Cause what so, in other words, is, it will still go ahead and... and I want to say leaf out and bloom out again. Right. That's exactly right. So you might have a little, you know, short stub that doesn't have any leaves on it because there was no bud right there. Uh Uh-huh. Where you, uh, you know, just beyond where you made the cut or before you made the cut or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. And so I would say just, you know, prune it and just don't worry too much about it. Okay. So it wouldn't stunt the growing lengths of it again. No. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and yes, I do appreciate you and your program. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on your show. Well, thank you. Yeah, and again, it's uh, just south of Arsenal and 55, Lymph, L-E-M-P, Lymph Mansion. And now let's go to Scott's yard. Hi, Scott. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having this uh, service. really appreciate it. Very informative. Well, thank you. and Mike, I, uh, I have two questions. Uh, a couple of years ago, I lost uh, two Bradford pear trees. They were actually beautifully uh, shaped, beautiful colors in spring and fall, and they provided great shade uh, during the summertime. So my question to you is, and I got two questions. First one, uh, somebody recommended that I replace them with uh, a tree called a linen tree. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, Linden. Correct. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, they're they're not even comparable as far as what they're going to give you. Linden trees, I mean, when they're in flower, you're going to kind of notice they're in flower, but they're not going to be spectacular like the, you know. So if you're trying to find something that's going to be equivalent of the Bradford pear, you're not going to get that out of those guys. Okay. Well, I was told not to replace, uh, not to put uh, Bradford pear trees right. again. Right. So what do you recommend then? I would say look at the the service berry. Service berry. Right. Okay. And get the tree form. There's a shrub form and a tree form. It's a it's a natural it's a native of this region. Amelanchier arborea is the actual botanical name. But anyway, okay. service berry, it has good spring color. Has good fruits and then good fall color on the foliage. Okay, and how tra- how tall do they? They're get? not going to get all that big. Probably you're looking at maybe uh, maximum, and they're relatively slow growing, uh, about fifteen to eighteen, maybe twenty feet at the most. Okay, that's perfect. Perfect. Then my my second question is is that uh, last year, uh, I don't know what happened, but my uh, zoysia grass. Uh, was uh, devastated, and uh, this year I, I got some zoysia, but I got a lot of different weeds. Is there anything I can do to eliminate the weeds or minimize the weeds 
in my yard. Well, it all depends. There's all kinds of weeds. There's broadleaf weeds. There's weeds that are a grass-type blade and everything else. So you're going to have to sort of identify which one and go after it. Now, if you do kill that, let's say kill the, the majority of the weeds off, now those are just going to be bare patches. You're going to have to get some sod to get the zoysia back in there. You can't expect it to kind of migrate in because that's going to take a huge amount of time. Okay. What do you recommend that uh, to, to eliminate the the weeds. I've got uh, foxtail. I got water grass. I've got uh, <laughs> uh, uh, crabgrass. I I just got a, a ton of different weeds in there. Yeah, basically, so, if you've got that type of combination, you're going to have to get, let's say, a nutsedge killer. You're going to have to get a pre-emergent. You're going to have to get a post-emergent. So it's going to be a combination of things. And don't try to get it taken care of in one season. You're going to have to go after, you know, kind of relatively slow. Let's put it that way. Okay, is uh, weed be gone? Is that a good uh, product to use? Yeah, that's a post-emergent. So, in other words, it kills broadleaf weeds, but it won't kill like crabgrass or things along that line. What do you recommend? Well, crabgrass, you're going to use a pre-emergent. Okay. So that's what I said. It's going to take a combination of things to get this under control. I see. Okay. All right. Well, listen. Thank you again for your. Uh, very informative information, and uh, uh, we all thank you very much for that. Well, thanks. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. And now let's head over from Scott's to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hello. Hi. Hey, um, so I've got multi-floral roses. Um, How much should I trim those back? How tall are they right now? About four feet. Yeah. Basically... So, these are not shrub type, are they? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, probably I wouldn't cut more than, uh, first of all, let the rose hips form. So, in other words, don't do any pruning yet. Wait until we have a pretty darn heavy frost to do the pruning on your roses. And then cut about 20% of them off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, my grandma in Wisconsin, she cut her roses uh, I mean, almost, you know, down to about uh, two feet uh-huh. uh, every year. And uh, she had beautiful roses. But uh, anyway. Um, she, hers may have not been the shrub type roses. She may have had grandiflora, floribunda, you know, those type. As okay. opposed to the shrub type. That's it's a little different approach. With those, you cut them back down to about 15 or 18 inches. But still, you wait until the weather is really pretty harsh before you cut them. You want those rose hips to form, which are the little balls where the flowers used to be, because it really tells the rose, you know, it's time for me to go to sleep, and then it gets ready to be pruned. Okay. Thank you. Yep. So, again, two different types of roses and, you know, two different types of approaches to it. So, like I said, the hybrid teas and grandiflores, those are the ones that also you have to put. You cut them down to about 18 inches or so, and then put about four inches or so of mulch over the growing. But if you've got a shrub type, the mulch is not even needed, and pruning them severely, um, the what you can expect out of them, you never know the next year what's going to happen. So that's why I don't like to cut them back too far. So anyway. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And now let's go from Jim's over to another Jim that lives in town and country. Hi, Jim. 
Hi, Mike. Uh, I have a beautiful volunteer tulip tree that's uh, about three years old. It uh, came up between a wall and our patio. It's now five feet wide and seven feet tall. Can I transplant this tree? And if so, when would you do it? (sighs) This, I mean, uh, the ground is warm enough probably that you could transplant it now and get it in the ground, get the spot located where you're going to do and just, uh, but digging that you're going to have to have a pretty good size root ball. So probably about a root ball that's going to be about, let's say, 15 to 18 inches deep and about uh, a little bit wider than that. So just remember that it's going to be pretty darn heavy to get up out of there. Okay. Very good. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a good time to do it. Uh, if you don't get around to doing it, just uh, in springtime, you can do it as well. The problem is in the spring, the ground is cold, so the root system won't uh, get acclimated as quickly. That's the advantage of fall planting on things is the ground's warm, so it creates a circumstance where the plants are going to send out a lot of root growth really quickly as opposed to in the spring when the ground's cold because of winter. All right. Thank you very much, Mike. My pleasure. And if anybody else has any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to South County and going to Nancy's yard. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I'm... I'm going to rattle off about 12 different things in my landscape that I would like to know what I need to do either now because it's fall or if I don't do anything until spring. Okay. So I have the um, butterfly bush, um, threadleaf coreopsis or moonbeam coreopsis, two knockout rose bushes that um, had getting holes in it. And I don't, I'd like to know what the age is and when it's time to replace those. A couple of boxwoods, um, the corabels. I have um, lamb's ear. Liriope, uh, daylilies, and uh, clematis. It looks like somehow I got some kind of moonbeam <laughs> or whatever it's called, the moonflower or something that's growing. Really? And I was just curious. Yeah, and I have um, the canas, the, um, the red ones. So I just need to know what I need to do to prep these for winter and, or if I'd wait, wait till spring on some of them. Well, you can wait till spring on some of them or not spring, kind of into winter. Like, but you know, cutting back the butterfly bush, you can cut it back now, or you can just wait until we come out of wintertime, which would be my preference for summer bloomers, like crepe myrtle, butterfly bushes, and roses here and things like that, and prune them uh, around Valentine's Day. Uh, most of the perennials that you mentioned, you can just leave alone. Like you, coral bells was one of the ones you mentioned. Mm-hmm. They, they have, you know, they have persistence through the wintertime, so the foliage, unless it really gets severe, is going to be okay. The cannas, Mm -hmm. you can take a chance. You can put four or six inches of mulch over if they're in the ground and just leave them alone. A lot of people have gotten to the point where they do leave their cannas in the ground. I dig mine up and just take them into the basement in paper bags. So that's a personal choice. Um, I can't remember. The clematis, if you got a moonflower in there, then uh, you think, well, moonflowers is just going to be an annual. But I actually have some moonflowers but I guess they're dropping the seeds because they're coming back, you know, this is the third year in a row and I haven't planted new seeds. Hmm. So if you got the clematis and it doesn't overwhelm your clematis, 
then I would say just leave the moon, you know, moonflower alone. Mm-hmm. And what about the daylilies? Daylilies, you can basically they're looking pretty harsh right now, so you can cut them off down to like two inches. Okay, and it, those are pretty easy to separate. Yeah, this well, or to thin yeah. out. If you're gonna do any, if you're gonna do any division or planting of any kind of perennials, do it ASAP because you want to make sure that they can get the root system established before it gets, you know, before we go through a really harsh circumstance with a freeze thaw, freeze thaw, because that kind of pushes and tears any kind of new root growth apart. So do that. But it's real okay quickly. to do that in the spring too. It's okay to do that in the spring yeah. if I'm not sure. Okay, and uh, as far as the um, cannabulbs. If I was to dig them up and, like, relocate them, when do I plant those next year, and how do you split them? Uh, basically, when you pull them up out of the ground, you'll see that there's joints, and you'll just pop them at a certain joint. Okay. And then you plant them. Uh, if you plant them early, they're just going to kind of sit there, and you're going to wonder if they're going to come. But, around, you know, it's all weather-dependent, but sometime mid to late April, early May is when I, you know, start planting mine outside. Now, do you do you dig it down? Do you put um, compost in there too and mix it? Or you can. I mean, they're pretty tough and durable. If the if it's a, I mean, they can even take a poorly drained area, but uh, they would prefer not to have that circumstance. But okay. uh, yeah, so you're going to improve the soil that way. And I fertilize my you know elephant ears, my cannas, and my summer bulbs. Um, how deep do you put a bulb then? Uh, with because the t- I see some of them are coming up out of the ground almost like a mole. A mole mound, you know, yeah. they're kind of pushing the ground up. Right. Uh, so basically with the cannas, you want them about uh, three inches deep. Okay. Um, and how old do knockout rose bushes last? Basically, they seem to, once they hit sort of like 15 years or so, they, you know, between 10 and 15, they start kind of going downhill. But I'm sure mm-hmm. there's plenty of people that have them that are, you know, much older than that, that continue to do well. They're fertilizing, they're doing... You know, they're doing systemic type uh, control for insects and diseases and stuff like that. But uh, for the most part, 10 to 15 years, then they seem to go downhill. Okay, and two, two questions left. Um, do I do anything to the lamb's ears? No, you can okay. just leave them alone. Okay, and, and um, boxwoods, they're, they're, not, they're round, but they're big. But I'm wondering, it's too, they're probably too big for me to trim down to half their size. Yeah, definitely. If they're, it, you know, you, really with broadleaf evergreens, you don't want to prune them any type. You know, whether it's a holly, whether it's a boxwood, or whether it's an azalea rhododendron, you want to cut half of it off. And with those, I would wait until we come out of wintertime, sometime around the Ides of March, before the new growth begins. That's when I would do the pruning. Okay, so if if I want it to be half its size now, I'm not gonna. I can wait till then, and it and I won't ruin it because I probably should have kept it at whatever size I was wanting it, and I right. let it get too big, and now I'm gonna like make it like Charlie Brown like. <laughs> <laughs> You're exactly right. Even in the springtime, if you cut it halfway down, I don't know, is it three feet high? Are they five feet high? It's about three. Yeah. Uh, they probably can like a, recover, but it's going to be, it could look kind of harsh during the recovery time. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, I appreciate all your help and your advice. Thank sure. you very much and have a good day. You do the same thing. Bye. Let's head over to Rob's yard. Hi, Rob. Hey, I got a um, compost pile I made. It's about a four by eight pile. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
But anyway, I burn leaves and I throw the comp the leaf the ashes into the compost pile. Should I not do that? Uh, probably like, doesn't. I, yeah, probably doesn't help. And I see your three one four. I didn't know you could do any open burning. Oh yeah, out here in uh, Franklin County, right on the edge of Jefferson County, right here in Catawissa. Oh really? So you can do yeah. open burning? I didn't know you could. Well, I'm pretty cheerful with it. Neighbors don't call on me, so I'm, I'm good on that. But anyway, should I not throw the ashes in there? Because I use the compost for, like, beds and stuff. Is that making that too acidy or something? Yeah, it's probably more towards alkalinity as opposed to acid. So, right, so you, you just have to watch out, you know, from that standpoint. Because I put about 50 gallons of actually ashes into my compost, but it's about three foot high and about four four by eight, you know, made out of fence. Yeah. So I just throw it in the woods and I quit doing that. Yeah, just let it blow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's all I had. All right, great. Great, thanks, Mike. Sure. And now let's go over to Rob's yard. Hi, Rob. Hello, Rob. Yeah, hello. Go ahead. Um, we're planting some bare root peonies. Want to know if it's too late in the year and how deep to put them in? Uh, basically, the eyes, you know, which you know what the peony eyes are, they want to be about an inch or so below the surface. And if they're bare root, I'm surprised. Where where could you get bare root peonies this time of year? Uh, from the nurseries and the male becks. Ah. So, yeah, I get them in the ground ASAP. Okay. Uh, should I straw them or something after I get them in the ground? Maybe no. have- yeah, don't use straw. Use regular mulch. About, you know, only one to two inches. Okay. And they'll be all right this time of year yet? Yeah, they should be. Okay. Thank you very much, Mike. Yeah, but, I mean, get them in the ground quickly because if you don't, like I said, I was explaining to the uh, lady earlier that when we start getting those freezing and thawing things, newly planted things, newly transplanted or whatever it happens to be, it's going to prevent the root systems from getting established and it's going to make it really tough on them. Would I be better to wait till spring? No, I'd say get them in the ground because okay. holding on to them all the way through the winter time, they could dehydrate. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got some phone lines open. If you have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Uh, as far as putting the grass seed down, you know, I'm, it would be cool season only, of course. But, uh, you know, the, I'm a little bit marginal on that. If you have a lawn service that says they think or they want to put it down, that's fine because they're going to guarantee the quality of the product. But you can still core aerate and then put a top dressing of uh, compost down, whether you do seeding or not. So core aeration is really essential as far as being able to let rainwater penetrate the ground, and then the compost falls into those you know core aeration holes, and then that feeds your soil, and then your soil feeds your plant material, whether it's lawn or any other type. Well, let's go now to Mark's yard. Hi, Mark. Yeah, um, I have a question about purple fountain grass. Will that come back next year, or are we too far north? Uh, it's probably going to be a questionable. It just depends upon how severe the uh, you know the weather is going to be. If we have a really mild winter, then it should be okay. I don't know if it's going to come back and be as you know, let's say, robust as what it is right now. 
But uh, okay. for the most part, it's really not a hardy type grass for us. Okay. And um, when do I trim it back? Do I do that now or in the spring? I would say yeah. just leave it alone. Just leave it alone? And yeah. if it comes back in the spring, then trim up all the dead. Right, exactly. Because the reason why I'm saying leave it alone, I mean, it's... You know, the blades that are there, they're going to help protect the crown. So, in other words, it's going to be like more or less an insulating layer. Oh, yeah, I see. And so that's why I prefer to, you know, cut back the grasses as we come out of winter. So sometime around Valentine's Day. Yeah, because they got really big and they're beautiful and I hate losing them. Right. Um, Dumb question, but I guess digging them up and bringing them inside is not an option. (laughs) (laughs) That would be crazy. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Now, you don't get to the good answers unless you ask the bad questions first. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. Sure. And let's go to another Mark's yard. This Mark happens to live in Afton. Hi, Mark. Good morning, Hi. Mike. Uh, my roses, is it time to trim them back? I have hybrid teas. Uh, it's a little bit early. Okay. So, so basically, you want to wait till we have a really hard frost. And so that may be another, that may be around Thanksgiving. So that's when you really want to cut them back and you cut them back to about 15 to 18 inches. Okay. And then I have azaleas out front and the leaves have got these brown spots on it. It's been kind of going back and forth this whole summer. I've been fertilizing them with azalea fertilizer. Right. Is there anything else I can do to try to help them? Uh, you know, without knowing exactly what the brown spots are, are they just discolored the leaves in general or are there specific spots? They're, the, the leaves turn, they have these just brown, it almost looks like a blight. I had two bushes in the back catch something like that and die on me the last two years. My and guess it was, is it's an insect on the underside of the leaf called a thrip. T-H-R-I-P. Okay. And so you need to get out there with an insecticide and spray the underside of the leaves. Don't bother now, but in the springtime when they, you know, when everything starts igniting as far as growth goes, then go ahead and spray the foliage on the underside, you know, to get rid of these thrips. Okay, and then I have zoysia in the back. Is it time to dethatch? Uh yeah, and cut yeah, cut it down. So yeah, you can dethatch it, but uh, I would probably, going into wintertime, uh, I would wait to do the dethatching when we're coming out of wintertime on zoysia. Because, again, we just don't know how severe and how quick we're going to have a cold snap. So yeah. you, if you're going to do it, get it done you know, within the next couple of days. But uh, if you're going to use a power dethatcher, you're really exposing a lot of the crown of the zoysia plants and then... Cold, cold weather could really do some major damage to it. Yeah, and I don't want that. I mean, it's so thick and nice. I don't want anything to happen. To right. It. I mean, you can just use a regular leaf rake. You, It's surprising how much thatch you can get out of it by just oh, using I, a rake. I did that a couple years ago. I could stand in one spot for a half an hour and keep going. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't have to do it that extreme. But, yeah, that's. I would probably recommend just raking it as opposed okay. to using a dethatcher. And then I have peonies. The last two years, I've gotten this mold on the one plant, and it's just the one plant. And then this year, I sprayed it, and it kind of helped keep the mold away, but it's come back. And the plant did not do all that well over the winter. Is there any – I mean, they're dormant now, aren't they? Yeah. Basically, the peonies, you cut, cut them off to about one or two inches. Okay. And that's all you really need to do. And the powdery mildew is pretty common. Okay. 
Well, that's it. Thank you very much. All right. Mike. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy. It's going to be beautiful out there. Today. Yes, it is. And now let's John, could you do it kind of quick? Yeah, I could do it real quick. Okay. My question is, is it okay to aerate zoysia? And because I was told not to, but anyway, and what time of year would you do that? That would use is it permissible. You would do the core aeration on zoysia when it starts greening up. That's what he told me. I had a lawn service come out and he checked. He said, I didn't have enough. I bagged my grass. I'll leave you alone. Thank you so much. <laughs> have a nice day. Well, you do the same. And Brad, if you can do it really quickly, we can get you in before the top of the hour. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on your show. Sure. I'll make it quick. I started in the spring some rosemary from seeds. I'm very proud of them. Wow. I trans I, I transplanted them into a raised bed on the side of my house. Mm-hmm. My quick question is, will they winter over, or do I need to dig those up, put them in a pot, and take them in the house for the wintertime? Uh, I would say just leave them alone. Sometimes they can, can come through the wintertime. Sometimes they can't, so it's going to be a roll of the dice. Digging them up and putting okay. them in a pot and bringing them inside is probably not going to be to the advantage of uh, you know, the plants. So I would say okay, just so leave just, them where they are. All right, so just let nature take its course and yeah. see what happens next spring. Yeah, and maybe okay. put you know an inch or so of mulch to help protect the root system a little bit. But for the most part, okay. depending upon a winter, we don't know how it's going to be. It's going to understood. Yeah, it's going to okay. it could kill um, the top. And, do I cut? I don't cut them off, do I? No. I cut them. Leave them okay. alone. Leave them be. Right. All right. Mike, thanks for being a Saturday tradition. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. And thanks thank to everybody you. for calling in this hour. We do have another hour of the show, so if you do have any questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, just overall, in general, I'm going to mention this again. Keep those leaves from piling up too much on anything because they just hold too much moisture and it can cause major fungus problems on even plant material that are not, you know, let's say prone to having fungus problems just because of the high moisture content. So I've been, uh, you know, we live across the street from uh, Christie Park. Luckily, we haven't had the the trees drop all the leaves in Christie Park because we're on the northeast corner. So the southwest winds blow them all up towards us. But uh, the maple trees, the three, the sugar maples that we have around our house, one of them is completely defoliated already. The other two still have a lot of leaves left, and they're dropping them all over the place. So um, that's basically uh, just keep the leaves taken care of as far as don't let them pile up. Mike Miller, KMR's Garden Hotline. I will see you after the news. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, it's the tip of the trowel hour, and I'll be giving it shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And, uh, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. And, Mr. Kelly, before you take off. Yes, sir. Historically, looking back, you know, as a kid and in grade school or whatever, was there a, a Halloween costume that you really enjoyed that you was your favorite? Mm, I can't think of one that was my favorite, but I do have one that, that kind of messed up on me. I took a, a – my brother had his shoulder pads from what I guess he played in high school or college. He's quite a bit older than I am. And so I put them up over my head and then put a helmet on top, and I was going as a headless football player. 
Ah. Well, I didn't plan it out very well because as I went around, the shoulder pads tended to turn around on my head, <laughs> and before you knew it, I was a hunchback. I was the hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it didn't work very well. Duel- yeah. Duality. <laughs> I should have just bought a, you know, should have bought a mask at a store. Uh. But anyway, yeah, that was, I'll never forget that. <laughs> and all well, I got was a rock. Oh, no. no I'm just kidding. Right. right. <laughs> How about you? Uh, Davy Crockett. Really? That was always my favorite. Yeah? I only did it for a couple years, but, I mean, I had a coonskin hat and everything. So awesome. I, yeah. Do you have so, any pictures? Uh, I don't. I might. Yeah? You know, I'd have to go back through the archives. Yeah. Do you remember the guy standing there with the flash powder when you got it taken? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am that old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we can joke about yeah, things. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got to run. Yes, thanks, Ryan. I know you got a lot of work to do. Yes, folks, and by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs, and all arounds. Uh, boy, I checked in a couple garden centers. There are no asters and no mums left any place, but there are lots of pansies. So if you still want some color for the season, uh, pansies are really looking good. I mean, spectacular. They're really good size. And your annuals uh, depends upon where you are. Uh, they, you know, in the city where I live, the annuals have not been impacted by the cooler weather yet. And uh, your bulbs, I've gotten all my uh, Brightside St. Louis or Operation Brightside or whatever that place is called that I get my bulbs from every year. Uh, got them all planted. So my Brightside Reds and my uh, let's see what kind of I, it's not King Alfred. Oh, Carlton, I think, daffodils. Your edibles, your cool season edibles, your ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens, like the water garden that I saw at Lymph Mansion. The water lilies didn't look bad at all yet. And uh, I'll share my thoughts, but remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, so... If you call in, he will answer the phone, and he just needs to know your first name and where you're calling from. During the week, I do landscape consulting, and it's, I call it a walk and talk. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage, that's where my phone number and email address is listed. So I'll come to your home and share 40-plus years. Oh, I'm so old. 40-plus years of a professional landscape design plant care, maintenance, and everything else. Tip of the trial is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Tip of the trial goes out to some of the people just do have done some spectacular decoration, you know, on their homes for this Halloween situation. So Trace and I went out driving the other night, and it, I mean, some of them, it's just absolutely incredible. And so tip of the trial goes out to them. And then also tip of the trial goes out to whoever did this. And I don't know exactly who it was. But uh, if you listen to the show, you know that I have a real battle with some of the local feral cats going to the bathroom in my yard. You know, (laughs) but anyway, somebody, you know, I have a, a small garden space between the garage and the alley. And I have, that's where I have my purple cone flowers, and I have a couple other different things growing there. But somebody has stuck a, a cat, not a cat cat, but a skeleton of a cat 
you know, like a, I guess a display or whatever, not the three dimensional one, but somebody was nice enough to put a cat back there. So that's, you know, whoever did that, I don't know who did it, but a special tip of the trial goes out to them. That's kind of helping me. Hopefully they think the skeleton picture of a cat will keep the cats away. So that just, it totally caught me by surprise. I walked around to the back of the house, uh, the side of the garage and wow, somebody actually offered, or maybe they're going to come and take it back. I don't know. But anyway, whoever gave me that skeleton of a cat picture, I certainly greatly appreciate it. And it's not really a picture. It's one, you know, it's a display. But anyway, enough of that. Let's get a couple calls in before we take a break. Let's go to Jean, and she lives in Afton. Hi, Jean. Hi, Mike. Oh. I have a Lenten rose from my mother's garden that I was Growing, that I'm growing in a clay pot. Um, I brought it into the basement last winter. It only had like one set of leaves on it. It did not bloom. It's an unheated basement. So over the summer, I put it outside on the northeast corner of the building, and I have brought it back in. But in the last couple of months, it's, it's started growing new leaves. It's probably got three, four sets of new leaves. What's the best thing for me to do with this? It mainly to get it to bloom. Uh, it's just going to be a you know kind of a roll of the dice. There's not anything that's going to be during the winter time. You can't fertilize. It's not really going to help. So uh, just it's going to be just taking a chance on and see what happens. So if it looks healthy and it's actively growing, that's about all you can expect. Do I leave it outside? Uh, now, what what was the exact plant? A Lenten, a Lenten rose. Ah, uh, uh, there. Uh, you could leave it outside, but they're really not truly hardy. So again, if it's you know we have a severe winter, it's gonna. But I mean, they're evergreen. You should just leave it outside, and the flowers are kind of let's say unspectacular because you know because they are evergreen, they almost look like a, a miniature palm tree. The flower is going to happen in February. And it's going to be generally white, and it's going to be underneath the foliage. So you really have to look at them closely. So, yeah, to bring it inside is not the best thing you can do. You should leave it outside. It is a hardy perennial. Should I just sink the pot in the ground? You could do that. And so just, again, uh, don't no fertilizer this time of year. And there's quite a few Lenten roses underneath some of the trees that are downtown in some of the garden spaces, the city park area. But, uh, and there's a lot of them at the Botanical Garden. So, so does, it pre- does it prefer this north, northeast corner of the house, or would it be better to put it on the south side where it gets a lot of sunlight? Uh, generally, they're considered a shade perennial. When I worked at the Botanical Garden, we had them in, in the Woodland Garden. But uh, full sun they're probably going to sunburn. So they need, you know, they need protection from direct sunlight. Got it. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So, again, it's uh, the flower is going to be hidden underneath the leaf. So you almost have to look, you know, I don't want to say get down on your hands and knees, but look underneath it, and it's going to be around Valentine's Day in uh, when they're going to be blooming. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Sure. And should we take another one? All right, let's go to Kevin, and he lives in Winsville. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Um, my question was uh, about Ipervitum. Um, I have an Ipervitum, I guess it's a tree. 
It's about 30 feet tall. I've got about six of them, and I just want to know <clears throat> when to trim them and uh, if you can trim them and when to and how much. Now, you were talking about arborvitae? Yes. Okay. Right. You Really, you can't prune them. So, okay. I mean, there are some that get really huge. Like, there's a green giant variety, which, which can get 30 feet high. Most of, the, like, the techni is going to be about 12 to 14 feet at the most, but, my, you know, a little bit more rotund. And uh, pruning them, just, what is it, the area that you cut is just going to turn brown. It'll not produce any new growth at that, that particular spot. And the way you can do that or know about that is, uh, people that have deer problems, sometimes they do munch on the arborvitae, and where they've munched, those, I mean, it makes them look really weird because they'll be skinny at the bottom and then wider at the top, which is higher up than what the deer could reach. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, so just kind of leave them alone. Okay, thanks. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. We're headed to Highland, Illinois, and we're going to Penny's Yard. Hi, Penny. Hi, Mike. How are you? Very good. Okay. um, About a month ago, uh, my mother-in-law passed away, and we were given a southern magnolia tree. And when I looked it up, it says we're in the northernmost portion, and it's losing its leaves and. I'm not known for my green thumb anyway. <laughs> now, we're talking about the evergreen magnolia, correct? Um, well, this has, I, I, I'm not familiar with the magnolia, but it's got the wide leaves. Yeah. Kind of like palm-looking leaves. Right, and they're dark green, kind of plastic. Um, yeah, they're kind of plastic-looking, but mine aren't dark green right now. <laughs> oh, if they're not dark green, that's not good. Yeah, I know. Oh, so what? Yeah, I mean, they, you can't have this thing inside. So it's got to be planted outside. So when okay. you do, you know, dig the hole only eighty percent as deep as the root ball is, and three times the diameter. And just it wanted, they want to be in full sun. So that's where okay. they're going to do the best. And so okay. I would get it planted and just kind of hope for the best. And baby it as much as I can. Yeah, just make sure that uh, if we have any extended drought periods where we go. Uh, it's probably more than 10 days with no rain, then go out there and, you know, pour, you know, put some water on it. It's probably within the first two or first, let's say, 10 days after you plant it, I'd water it every day to make sure the ground is, you know, fully hydrated. And then consequently after that, just kind of like kind of keep your fingers crossed. Okay. Do we need, we, we have mostly clay soil here around where I'm at. Should I add some um, other soil to it because so it's not so thick. It said it needed to be kind of a loose sitting soil. Yeah, so add some compost to the soil. Okay. All right. And it, it just needs to be in full sun. Right. And just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of spectacular magnolias, but uh, the fact that yours doesn't have the foliage is kind of turning discolored, that's not a good sign. Yeah, some of them are green, but, yeah, I mean, we just need to get it planted because, it. yeah, when it came, it was a little bit darker green. And some of the new, there is some new growth, but minimal. So that's why I'm like, I need your help. Yeah, and you basically, the fact there's new growth is not necessarily all that good because right. new growth coming out this time of year, it's going to get killed off. Right. 
yeah, it's very minimal what it looks like, <laughs> I think. And I, like I said, I don't have the green thumb. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Certainly. And now let's see, where do we want to go? Let's go over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. How you doing, Mike? Good morning. Very good. Hey, I just want to thank you. First of all, uh, I uh, about two years ago, I got about a half acre lot. About two years ago, I aerated my front and my sides real good. I mean, I did it by hand, you know, with a machine myself. I went and got about three to four yards of compost, and I put that on there. I did that on the front. I did it on the sides. I did it two years in a row. My wife, my wife and my neighbors thought I was nuts. I mean, it really smelled, you know. But <laughs> but I tell you what, Mike, I got the best looking yard right now in the on in the subdivision. All right. I mean, I only, Mike, I only put. Uh, uh, crabgrass preventer with fertilizer down in the spring, and I do then I do the weed and feed, and then I do the same crabgrass preventer with fertilizer like in September. I've done that the last two years, and it's looking beautiful. Sounds I appreciate great. Appreciate it. But but I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, I got two Altheas in the back, and I just trimmed them things, and I cut a bunch of closed up flowers off when I trim because they get so big, you know. Right. Uh, do you think that them flowers will come back uh, by next fall? Uh, well, I mean, generally they bloom in the you know, summertime into early fall. And so, yeah, Rosa Sharon, Althea, whatever you want to call it, uh, they're tough and durable. So, yeah, you, you should be fine. Good. Well, I appreciate it. And I just want to give a shout out to my buddy Kevin. He listens to you all the time, too. But, hey, thanks again for the, uh, for the info, the tip. I, my grass looks beautiful. All right. Sounds great. Okay, bye. And let's go from Tom's over to Danny's. Hi, Danny. Good morning, Mike. Uh, simple question for you. Uh, within the last week or 10 days, I received uh, my tulip bulbs from Brightside St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Am I cool to plant them in a raised bed? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I talked to a buddy of mine about it, and he's like, well, he, he didn't know it since uh, – it wasn't actually down in the earth if they would freeze out or not. And I told him, I thought last week you'd said that you'd even put some in pots yeah. and left them outside during the winter. So Yeah, I grow mine, the majority of them in pots. So some okay. on the north side, some on the you know, the west side of the house, and some on the east side of the house. So I got pots all the, and I don't have any on the south side because I've got a neighbor on the south side. And there's not enough okay. space along there. But yeah, I got pots in all three directions. Yeah, it's a great organization. I've ordered bulbs off them for the last, oh, this will be the third year, and yeah. they're just beautiful bulbs. And, uh, yeah. Okay, well, the ground had been so hard up until the last week or so when we started getting this rain, and that was kind of my motive for doing a raised bed because the ground was like concrete, <laughs> and now we're getting all this rain, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what to do, but I've already built the bed, so I'm going to go ahead and stick them in there today. Yep, sounds perfect. It's like. And now let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello. Hi. Uh, my wife's got a question on her Christmas cactus. It's indoors now. She's wondering what uh, you might help her with to get it to bloom, of course, at Christmas time. Yeah, good luck. It's going to be a roll of the dice, you know, to get it to actually bloom at that time. So uh, basically just keep it in a bright, sunny window and... Uh, if you do start to see some flower buds, you know, occurring, it's going to be at the very tips of uh, the last leaflet. And if you do see some, 
buds forming. Then get some cactus fertilizer. Do half the label rate with the fertilizer. If you don't see any flower buds forming, just leave it alone and no fertilizer. Okay, cactus fertilizer. Right. Okay. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, to get them to bloom at the right sequence and everything else is going to be, I say, just lucky if it happens. Well, we'll hope for luck. Right. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go over to, let's see, this is probably the fourth or fifth Bob that we've had today. Hi, Bob, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, Mike, how are you? Very good. Uh, yeah, I uh, answered before when the other Bob answered, so uh, we're, on, we're on track now. Okay. Hey, uh, we're talking about aloe plants. Uh-huh. I grow them on the patio, and um, <clears throat> my question is, is uh, after all these years, I'll ask the question, they, they like about 50% sun and 50% shade? They don't need that. They can grow in full sun all day long every day. Okay, uh, that's that. And then you you don't want to water water them too much, do you? Definitely not. I mean, they're a succulent slash cactus family member. So that's they what I want, thought. Yeah, you don't want to. If you water them too much, you're going to rot the root system, and you're going to send them downhill really quickly. Okay, for the winter, what are we going to do with them uh, after all these years? I'm asking. <laughs> Bring them inside and put them in a sunny window. Exactly. How about putting them in the basement in the shade? Uh, not so good. They okay, may not well, recover in the basement. Well, I, I keep them growing uh, by putting them in a sunny window. Right. Now, now then, how about fertilization? I've got a, um, a, uh, I have a daughter-in-law down in Atlanta. She, she's telling me about her neighbor that fertilizes them. She cuts up the banana peels with a scissor, puts it in water, then uses the water to, to water the plant. And fertilize it. Is that a good fertilization? Uh, that's kind of iffy because it's only going to provide probably potassium, so it's not going to really provide full fertilizer. And with this, you want to use basically a cactus-type fertilizer. Can you get such a deal as that cactus? Yeah. Just go to your favorite garden center, year-round garden center. They should have some fertilizer specifically formulated for cactus, which basically means it has low numbers. Okay. So, what, like 10, 10, 10? Yeah, even less than that. Less than that, okay. Well, uh, I knew their banana peel was loaded with uh, with potassium. Right. But uh, that's only one item. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, I grow these things. They, you know, they the roots produce more. Right. And uh, there's a garden club that... Um, they they uh, they they sell them as a little fundraiser. Sure. Yeah, you, know, you know you buy a little four inch high pot at uh, various stores uh, in season here in the spring, uh, uh, aloe plants, and they're they're four or five dollars uh, for one little single plant. Mm-hmm. So the uh, garden club does well. I I really. I produce a lot of them off of the roots. All right, perfect. Yeah. Hey, thanks for your service. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. You, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open if you'd like to have a comment or question. 
or an idea. Let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Hey, real quick. Uh, we planted a calla lily. It's a chocolate calla lily about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and the thing's just been doing great. But a couple years ago, it gets so big, the flowers just flop over and lay on the ground. And I thought if I, like, kind of put a uh, almost like a tomato basket around it, but it, it's a big, just a big round tube that, you know, as it grew up, the, the flowers would, you know, stay upright. Well, when I did that, it hardly produced any flowers. So the next year, I just didn't do it, and it was great. The year after that, I tried the the basket thing again, and it hardly grew any flowers. Is that just a coincidence, or, um, or you know, should I? I guess I should just leave it alone. Right. Basically, it is just a coincidence. So, okay. I mean, the fact that uh, you know this is happening, I would say, why? Who knows? But it has nothing to do with the, uh, you know, either you know, tomato cage or peony ring or whatever you're actually using. Oh, okay. All right. I was just curious. I appreciate the info. Sure. Yeah, there'd be nothing physical that would actually make it so flowers less because it's in place. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's head over to Chris's house. Hi, Chris. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I've got some hostas in pots. Do I need to cut them back and bring them in? Uh, No, don't bring them in. Leave them outside. But you might have to... They're pretty tough. I don't know which varieties you have, but I'd probably dig a hole in some garden space and just drop the pot down, in, if you can, into the hole for the wintertime. I can do that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, and just cut them off. And, I mean, bringing them inside, they need to have that cold winter treatment. And if inside, unless you have a very interesting house, they wouldn't get it. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Sure. Let's go now over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. I have 12 beautiful five-year-old banana trees. I had them cut down uh, to about an inch and a half above the ground Mm -hmm. as every year, covered them with mulch. Uh, It's been three weeks ago. Now I have six to 12-inch growth coming through. I've never had that before. My question is, should I cut the new green off? Should I leave it alone? What would you suggest? Yeah, I'd say cut it off. If you don't, I mean, it's going to get killed by the frost anyway, but just cut it off. That way you won't have to see these big, gushy, you know, things that have been killed. You know, so, yeah, get rid of it. Okay, and then this coming spring, uh, I usually surround it with humus and cow manure. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that uh, a good thing, bad thing? Do you have better suggestions? if you've had good luck with it, I'd say stick with it. You got it. Thanks for your help. Sure. Bye-bye. I mean, you can't beat it. So nothing is better than success. And if I'd say, well, just you should be using mulch, well, you're basically using mulch. And, I mean, you've had good luck with your banana. So stick with it. All right. Let's go from Jay's yard over to Barb's house. Hi, Barb. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I have a question on a begonia. Uh, I brought it inside, and I'd like to try to keep it through the winter, but it's about, oh, 30 inches wide, and it's got blooms on the ends still. The flowers are all over the ends. Of course, Mm -hmm. they're coming up and and falling over just like they did outside. Right. Do I trim all of that back for the winter, or do I just leave it alone? 
I hate to lose my flowers right now. <laughs> yeah, I'd say leave it alone, at least for now. And uh, hopefully you have it in a bright window. Okay. Because if you don't, uh, it's not going to do so well. Even though begon- or begonias are considered a shade-oriented type plant, I don't know, yeah. is, is this you know, a devil's wing, angel wing? Is this a Rex begonia? What type is this? Oh, it's not a Rex. Rex is the one that's red, isn't it? The well, reddish leaves. Yeah, basically, a, you know, a silver, red. All, so, mm-hmm. no, it's got the bigger leaves. It's um. It's probably a devil's wing or angel deviled, wing. Yeah, either yeah. of those. Yeah. Yeah, and as far as uh, how well it's going to do inside, uh, I've never really wintered one inside. So, you know, you can call next spring and let me know how well yours did. Experiment with it and see what happens. Exactly huh? right. Okay, and that's all I have. Oh, I have a, a, a shrimp plant I have a question on. Okay. Um, what do I do with it during the winter? I brought it inside, and I have it in front of a window. I know they're kind of from the, they like the southern hemisphere. Right, type of, exactly. Yeah, so, so what do I do with it Does now? it have any flowers on it? Oh, yeah, it still okay. has lots of them on there. Well, probably what you can anticipate, it may stop flowering. And just uh, don't overwater. That's crucial. And definitely don't fertilize during the wintertime. Okay. But don't overwater. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah. A lot of times people, when they bring in stuff from outside, they have a tendency to kind of overwater. And then inside the house, that can send them downhill really quickly. So. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to try to keep it so I'll watch how much I water it. I don't water it like I do the other ones. Then. Right. Okay. Well, I appreciate your help. Thank sure, you. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. And then Goodbye. let's head over to Hemmers. Uh, yes. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, I have a rose bush and it has, I'm not sure if uh, it's at what you say, rose rosette or something like that. It has, it used to just be like regular green, mm-hmm. you know, rose. And uh, now, well, it kind of started last year and this year, too. The, it comes out with uh, the regular roses, but these other things are kind of taken over. And they're like light green leaves, and the, they have flowers on them, and it's almost, they're like little bitty, it's almost like a a uh, bouquet, these uh, flowers that mm. come out. And I've been kind of cutting them off, but I don't know if it's that rose rosette or another. Well, generally flower. the rose rosette won't produce flowers. And the rose oh, rosette well. stems are really kind of a purplish or maroon color, and it'll have a whole lot of thorns on that stem. Now, do yours look that way? Well, it's like I said, they do have, uh, they come out and the leaves are thinner looking and lighter. Yeah. And, but they have these little, like six or eight flowers Hmm. on that stem. And they don't really, they, some of them kind of blooms, maybe one or two, but most of them just kind of dry up or. Yeah. It does sound like rose rosette potentially. So, and realize that once it gets it, it's not going to get rid of it regardless of what you do. So, right. you can either just keep it going for yourself or whatever, or you just plan on having it taken out and a new one put in next year. 
and you can uh, like cut it down. You have to kind of get the roots. Out. Yeah, you should get the roots, even though the the it's really spread by spider mites. And yeah. the spider mites, once you cut everything off and get rid of it, make sure you don't just leave it laying around, you know, in your landscape. Uh, so you should be okay, but it's probably better to dig out the roots as well, even though there's not going to be any rose rosette in those roots per se. But even though it does have little flower buds, it probably is uh, this rosette thing. You yeah, it's, if it's like really weak, you know, thin growth, even though it doesn't have the maroon color and a lot of thorns, my thinking is that's probably what it is. Okay, and uh, it does go to other rose bushes yes. that's out there? Yeah, spider mice will be blown from the one that has it to the other ones. Oh, because it seemed like this other one is kind of getting some of them, too. Yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like uh, that's what you have problems. Okay, because it's a big one, you know, it's one of four feet wide and so high. (laughs) Okay, but thank you very much. I wanted to make sure. Okay, (laughs) bye. All right. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Let's go to the phones, and we're headed to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Uh, hello, Mike. Hi. Uh, I'm, I have uh, some irises that are still um, tall and, and greenish. Uh, I'm wondering whether I should cut them. Yeah, the regular bearded-type iris. Yeah, cut them back to about uh, three to four inches. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure. And now let's see, where should we go? Let's head over to Doug's yard, and he happens to live in Maryland Heights. Hi, Doug. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Concerning concerning the blooming of a Christmas cactus, um, I had a Christmas cactus, still have it, uh, that did nothing for many years. And uh, I finally did a little research and found out that if uh, you put the Christmas cactus into solitaire, solitary in a, in a very cool environment and uh, with no light coming in whatsoever and keep it there for about six to eight weeks, I think it was, then bring it out, put it in a warm, sunny window, and this sucker just bloomed like crazy. It was beautiful. Wow. Um, I'm sure the details uh, can be found online. That's what I did. I did some research. Uh I, I tried it a second time uh, the following year, and maybe, maybe solitary wasn't as confining or something. Uh, I did not have as good results, but I still got it to bloom. Really? So there is a process you can follow that might work. Well, that's interesting because, you know, they have Christmas cactus that they, you know, have on displays at the Botanical Garden, and they don't do anything that extreme. So, but the fact that it worked for you, that's great, and thank you for sharing it. Well, good luck to all who try. I'm going to try it again this year. But <laughs> all the, right. The, the secret is total darkness, uh, low temperature, uh, and the timing. And I, I seem to think it was uh, six to eight weeks. Wow. I'm surprised the thing would survive. But it uh, sounds great. Okay, good luck. Yep. Thank you. Yep, thanks, Doug. And now let's go over to Gary's yard. Hi, Gary. Good morning. Uh, I had a local lawn service fertilize my yard yard 
for the past two years. Zoysia grass, the end of June, they absolutely scorched it with fertilizer. They tried to give me, well, first of all, they didn't respond until we got kind of testy with them. When they came, someone said, oh, well, we'll put a high nitrogen fertilizer down. And then you need to water every day for an hour on each section. And we did that, didn't do anything. The whole front yard's dead, the backyard's dead. Now they don't want to do anything for us. They said, well, you, could, you know, we could put uh, fescue in it, replant it with fescue instead of zoysia. My father-in-law put that grass in. It's, it's my mother-in-law's grass, grass 40 years ago. Now they want to redo it with fescue. Isn't zoysia a much better grass than fescue? And also, now they're trying to tell me, well, it's, it's bill bugs that was the problem. This grass was destroyed started turning tan within a couple days after they fertilized it at the end of June. What do you say? Basically, I mean, they're just two different things. Zoysia is a warm season grass, so it looks nice in the summertime. A fescue is going to is a cool season grass, so in the summer it just it doesn't look really as robust as it does when it's let's say fall, winter, and early spring. So the two completely different things. But putting high nitrogen down, why they would think that would let's say, kick-started, because basically nitrogen, when you put it down, it only stays you know, in the ground, more or less, in location for a few days, and then it becomes a gas and goes up in the air. So I don't know exactly what they expected it to do. But do you think that, that and, and again, this grass started turning tan within a couple days after they put that fertilizer down or whatever they put it down, right. whatever they put down, I mean, within a couple of days. My wife cares for her mother over there. She's constantly there, and she cares for the grass as well. And she said, no, that grass started turning colors within a couple of days. I say they over-fertilized it. What do you think caused it? Because they're trying to say now, well, it's bill bugs. Well, bill- I mean, there are cinch bugs. There are things that do impact the zoysia. But, uh, I mean, unless they got down on their hands and knees, there's no way for them to know that that's what the problem was. And then, to you know, if they didn't figure that out and thinking, you know, a f- high nitrogen fertilizer is going to solve the problem, that's, I mean, it sounds like they're just kind of shooting, you know, into the sky. Okay. What trying to change, and again, this happened at the end of June, but the way they kicked the can down the road, so to speak, it, it took over a month for them to actually get the owner of the place out there to look at it. And, and he's actually starting another franchise now, so that's what he was busy with, I'm sure. But the point is, he uh, it took over a month for them to come out there and him to come out there. And by that time, this grass is absolutely destroyed. I hear what you're saying about zoysia and fescue are two different types of grass. Right. But at the same time, is there a big price difference? Why couldn't he just say, well, you know, by that time it was, I guess, actually beginning of August him to say, well, we'll restart it. Because I told him, I said, that's what I want you to do. That's what was here, Zoysia, that's a 40-year-old, you know, lawn there. And you're trying to tell me now that you're going to put fescue there? No. My mother-in-law wants Zoysia. That's why my father-in-law... Gary, we got to run. So uh, thanks for the... It sounds really exaggerated. I'm sorry you're having such a really tough time. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. 
celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 